This is Matt Spiegel, and I can't wait to bring you Season 2 of the PBP, Voices of Baseball. The very best play-by-play voices in the game talk about their craft. It's a job so special that even Joe Buck told us he will probably go back to it. I'm 53, basically 54. I, I think it's too early to say nevers at this point in my life. I think at some point I'll get the itch again. Incredible guests sharing great stories from your favorite teams coming this year. Find us on the Odyssey app or wherever you find podcasts. It's time. Time for silver and black today. To the ground game. Touchdown, Las Vegas. We're breaking down the latest Raider news from on and off the field and bringing you conversations with newsmakers and record breakers. So hold on, Raider Nation. It's time to get get it it on. Here's your host, Scott Goldbranson and Mo Moulton. Happy Hump Day, Raider Nation. It is time for the Raider Nation mailbag here on Silver and Black Today, an Odyssey original podcast. Mo Moten, Scott Goldbranson with you. Do us a favor. If you haven't already subscribed to the show, make sure you do it. Wherever you get your podcasts, you can find us. Go subscribe there. Also, check out our YouTube channel where you can also catch the video of each show up there as well as our live post-game shows after every Raiders game as well hit the subscribe button hit the notifications bell on youtube and we'll see you there too all right mo this is one of our favorite things to do every week and that is get questions from our readers it's always a good time we had some great ones we talked about it on yesterday's show gary harkin reader you were right about that by the way wrote in about seeing Derek carr in in, an idea of having Derek carr in the wildcat and we said well yes they'll do something different but Derek carr in the wildcat doesn't make a lot of sense we saw Derek Carr in the Wildcat on Sunday in the win over Houston. That hasn't been in Josh McDaniel's bag of tricks recently. <laughs> but, you know, coaches are always trying to reinvent things and throw an extra wrinkle that the opponent is not looking for, and you saw it happen. So kudos to Gary Harkin-Reader and Josh McDaniels for digging deep in his bag on that one. Yeah, absolutely. So let, let's dive right into this uh, as well. And uh, I'm going to get to the first question here. It's from one of our uh, best and most loyal listeners and viewers. And that's our good friend, John Davis. He says, what's up, Mo and Scott with Diablo, Divine Diablo, playing so bad. Obviously, John, you think uh, Diablo is not playing well. Uh, is there any way Martinez and Perriman are on the field at the same time? Well, we saw, we saw that. And do you think letting Hobbs finish the game injured his hand more last week? Love the show and go Raiders. That's from John I don't, Davis. I, sorry. I don't think Hobbs playing throughout the Chiefs game really extended his uh recovery time I, I don't i think he'll you know he'll be back maybe within a month similar to anthony averett and of course may have a different bit of a different injury he broke his hand i think anthony Averett was just his thumb so we'll see hopefully he's back sooner than later uh as far as his first question we talked about it on the last show that mm-hmm. you'll see blake martinez and denzel Perriman on the field at the same time when the raiders are in base defense when, they, when they're going up against a run-heavy team because both those guys are extremely good tacklers. So you'll see maybe Perryman at middle linebacker, strong side linebacker Blake Martinez, and then Divine Diablo on the weak side. But what you don't want to do is against a pass-heavy team have just Blake Martinez and Denzel Perryman on the field because neither of them are good in coverage. Divine Diablo, though he has struggled, he is better than Blake Martinez when it comes to pass defense. Yeah, absolutely. All right. There you go, John, my friend. Thank you again for the question. We appreciate that as always. By the way, if you want to mail the show, we suggest you do it after the game. So so, wait till Sunday. You can send it now if it's a general question. But if you want a timely 
question answered. Uh, that's not a general question. Uh, you could do it after the game. But anytime you want to send them, we'll take your mail. It's mail at silverandblacktoday.com. That's mail at silverandblacktoday.com. We'll get your questions. We give all the listeners who get their questions read uh, a sticker, and then we also give away a T-shirt to our favorite email of the show as well. So we will do that today. Sometimes we forget. I, sometimes I forget. Uh, but we should, we should do that. So uh, we appreciate you guys doing it. Mail at silverandblacktoday.com. Okay, our next question comes from Dennis Yu in Petaluma, California, a beautiful part of the country up near wine country there. It says, Scott and Mo, really happy with Sunday's win as a win is always better than a loss. Loss. Josh Jacobs was the man, and he's really running well. I heard your postgame show, and you talk about maybe they shouldn't pay him. Why wouldn't the Raiders make him an offer now and lock him up? He's our best offensive weapon, and Josh McDaniels knows it. Appreciate you and the team. Keep up the good work. Again, that's from Dennis you in Petaluma, California. Uh, we talked about this a lot last show. We did a whole segment on Josh Jacobs. And, Mo, the money that Josh Jacobs may want, um, he may earn it. He may get what he wants. But right now we're looking at two things. One is Josh Jacobs has an injury history, uh, and it's still only week seven now going into week eight. There's no hurry to pay him. If he has this kind of season throughout, then the Raiders can have that quandary. They can sit down and Dave Ziegler can say, do we pay this guy the money? Uh, but I think it's way too premature to say, hey, back up the Brinks truck and give Josh Jacobs whatever he wants in Henderson. Now, I want to preface this by saying I'm not saying not to that Ray shouldn't pay Josh Jacobs. Right. He's definitely earned it over the past two weeks, but there's no rush to pay him. What is the <laughs> rush to pay him right now? It's not like Josh Jacobs is all of a sudden going to hold out next week and say, you guys <laughs> don't pay me. I'm going to hold out. That's not going to happen. So I've seen, I've done this for years now and you see teams all the time, re-sign a guy two days, three days before the new league year. So that's in March, right? <laughs> that, that's your deadline. That's the deadline you're working against. There's no deadline in the season to sign, to resign or extend the guy. A lot can happen. We have t- what? 10 more weeks, 11 more weeks left in 10 more weeks left in the season. So you, you let the, you let it play out because again, not even not wishing injury on anyone, but if any of these key players get hurt and now you have to sign a placeholder in the off season, or you got to sign a top corner because your corner's underperformed. Now you have to spend that money elsewhere. So the, what the Raiders should do and what they're probably going to do and is the right decision is you wait to the end of the season, you look at your roster needs, and then you allocate the money accordingly. Because again, there is no deadline saying you got to sign this player because he's going to leave you. He's under contract. There's no rush to sign him. There's no rush to extend him right now. Well, and, and that's the thing I, I want I want you to clear up for folks and explain to them. So, so the Raiders declined his fifth-year option, but he is not an unrestricted free agent until they, uh, in essence, say, hey, you're a free agent. We, 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 we are not going to negotiate with you. You, you go, right? It's, it's when the league's new year starts. Right. The contract doesn't expire until next year. Yeah. You got there's so many options. You got the franchise tag that teams use. You got you got the transition tag. So there there are just so many things could happen within the coming several months that there is absolutely no rush to rush and and uh, pay a guy right now. Because again, as I said, teams usually a lot of teams do this that a valuable player they will wait two three days 
before free agency opens, before the new league year, to re-sign a player. It doesn't mean that they don't value them. Right. It's just that's how business is conducting the NFL because there are no deadlines. As we all know, deadlines cause action, and there are no deadlines the Raiders have to meet right now. That's correct. Even if Josh Jacobs wins the rushing title, okay, and the Raiders go to the Super Bowl and win the Super Bowl, you don't have to hurry to pay the guy the next day. You have that time uh, to figure out and structure a contract. Or, like you said, you can tag them. You can do all sorts of things. The team has the ability here. I wouldn't say upper hand because if Josh Jacobs has an amazing year, he's going to he's gonna want more money. A lot of people right. saying to me, Mo, well, he'll take a team-friendly deal. Who says? <laughs> like, I, I don't buy that. I think Josh Jacobs is going to get whatever he can. And I, I would not blame him. Would he like to stay a Raider? I think part of the reason he's running the way he is is because he likes to be a Las Vegas Raider. He likes to be in the silver and black. And so he'd like to make them uh, uh, think about deeply them signing him to a new deal and giving him maybe the, the big raise he wants. But at the same time, no hurry there. So so when you think about that, Dennis, that's why I was talking about it on the postgame. I can only speak for myself on that one. Uh, I know Murph is p- saying paying now. Uh, but Murph has a different perspective than I do, or Mo has. Uh, not that it's wrong, because it's not. It's just a different perspective, and no hurry on that one. So a good one, and thank you for that. But also, I keep pointing out, Mo, they didn't draft two running backs on accident, right? So if you, even if you thought, hey, well, let's let Josh prove himself, uh, you drafted two running backs because it's an important position for what you want to do, and you need to develop talent. Part of the problem the Raiders are in the issue they are is they haven't developed young talent behind their starters because in the NFL it's all about rookie contracts and eventually you're going to have to let guys go. You can't keep them all, and so you need to develop that talent pipeline behind them. I think a lot of fans expect players to take team-friendly deals because they think that player wants to be a Raider for life because that's how fans approach things. That's how fans see it. Sure. But these players are, especially in the middle of the season, some players won't even negotiate in the middle of the season because they say, okay, I'm going to play my best year and let everything take care of itself at the end of the season. The Raiders were just 1-4. They're 2-4 and four now. They're not, for the most part, unless unless they're filling a void or position need, they're not thinking contracts right now. Because I remember there right. was buzz that Denzel Perriman was going to get an extension. What happened to that? <laughs> Didn't happen. You know, so once you get into the season, you're worried about the now. How are we going to win the next game? We're worried about contracts and extensions after the season's over. Yeah, and the other thing, Mo, I'm going to mention here too, because remember, um, it's a long season, okay? It's 18 weeks now, 17 games, okay? You are now, you've played seven games, okay? We don't know how the season's going to go. I think the season will go better than we thought it would uh, when they were struggling early. But you don't know if you're going to make the playoffs. You don't know who's going to stay healthy. There's a lot of unknowns here. You, it, it, it's, it's, it's sort of like a, a pathway, and you have to go on that journey. You can't make a decision about what hotel you're going to stay with when you haven't even reached the destination, right? So you have to get there. If they get to the end of the season and things are all shaping, your quarterback's doing great, your offensive line has gelled into some amazing unit that you never could have imagined, your defense comes along up front, your defensive backs mature, get healthy, and start performing then you're in a different position. If if all that falls apart, then suddenly you make different decisions. So so that's right. why you have to wait. You just don't know. It is truly a marathon race, and you have to wait to see where you're at when you get to January and February, just the way it is. So 
Dennis, thank you for your question. We appreciate it so much. We're going to take our first break here on our Wednesday edition of the Raider Nation mailbag here on Silver and Black today. When Mo and I come back, we're going to get to a question about, ooh, a position of need at this point, although there's one guy playing really well there, and that is the safety position. So don't go anywhere. This is Silver and Black today, an Odyssey original podcast. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did. Welcome back. Thanks for being with us on this Wednesday. It is the Silver and Black Today Raider Nation Mailbag, where we listen to you. You guys spend the whole week listening to us bloviate. Now you get to talk and tell us and ask us questions. Sometimes you give us compliments. Sometimes you tell us we're full of it. We love it all, and we appreciate you being here on our Odyssey original podcast. Make sure you subscribe if you don't already do that. You can find us wherever you get podcasts. If you've never gotten a podcast before, Mo has a 1-800 line to help you with the technology. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, but you can, you can get it anywhere. We'll help you with it. Just go find somebody who knows where to get podcasts, Apple, Google, Spotify, wherever you listen to stuff, you can find us there as well. You can also find us on YouTube where you can subscribe and hit the notification bell on our channel. We're back answering those questions, and we're going to get right back into it now. Here's one. Uh, from our good buddy Craig Welsh over in uh, Scotland. He says, hey, guys, appreciate the content you provide, Raider Nation. You touched on this a little bit in your post game, and I'm really concerned about Trayvon Merrick uh, and overall safety play. They are just not making an impact at all. He just cannot seem to make a play. To me, he's been really underwhelming so far for the silver and black. As teams have had a lot of success targeting the middle of the field so far, should we address a safety position as a high priority in the offseason? Keep up the good work, guys. Always look forward to your shows. Kind regards, Craig Welsh. Thanks, Craig. Mo, I'll let you take this one right off the top. Let's deal with Trayvon Merrick first and talk about why he's struggling. You talked a little bit about it yesterday. Recap for folks what you see when you watch the All-22 and what's happening with Merrick out there. There are two issues with young players typically, and what I can probably see in Trayvon Merrick with his uh, struggles early. One, communication. Uh, when you're on the back end, you have to have communication because there are pick plays, there are rub routes. You got to be able to switch off uh, with a with a defensive back next to you. That was the that was one of the issues that Drake had. Didn't involve Trayvon Merrick, but Amik Robinson and Anthony Avery had that issue. Uh, Trayvon Merrick, the other thing with young players, eye discipline. Sometimes they get mm. caught glaring at the quarterback and not paying attention to the zone that they're supposed to cover. That's what happened with, with Merrick on Sunday. Got caught looking at Davis Mills. Receiver catches a ball behind him for a big game. So he has to address his eye discipline, know, know where to look, where to have his head, because that could determine a big play and a pass breakup or an interception or even a pick six. So I think once he straightens that out, I think he'll be fine. He is a little slow over the top. Uh, of course, Travis Kelsey had a four-touchdown party against the Raiders <laughs> pass defense <laughs> on Monday Night Football, and part of that was on Trayvon Merrick. So he 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 just has to be alert and be in the right spot at the right time and correct his eye discipline because if your eyes are not in the right spot, 
you're not going to be in the right spot to make a play. Yeah, and, and that's Craig. The second half of Craig's question, I'm going to combine with our next question, actually, so we'll get a twofer here for the, the second part of this answer, Mo, because Roger from Mesquite, Nevada, right up the road, up I-15 from Las Vegas, says, hey, guys, love the show and your professional approach. We're professional. Um, here's my question. I know it's early, but what will the Raiders focus on in the draft next year? Looking at the defense, we need lots of help. Outside of Nate Hobbs and Deron Harmon, it's bad. Will they focus mostly on defense. And Craig asked about may safety be a focus of this Raiders team. Again, only eight weeks in, things still need to unfold. Uh, But Mo, there's no question that they still need to find some talent in the defensive backfield, other parts of the defense too, but particularly with this conference and this division, um, might they focus on that when we get to April, 2023? I could see them getting a cornerback. Anthony Averitt's in a contract year. Rocky Asin is in a contract year. Nahab's still young. Uh, is going to miss a chunk of time with a broken hand. So they're, they're going to have to refill, in a sense, that position. I believe Amik Robinson will be going into a contract year. So definitely I could see a cornerback within the first couple of picks. Uh, I think they should also address the linebacker position. It seems like it's been a while since the Raiders have had stability at linebacker. Denzel Perriman up there in age. Uh, had an had an injury this year with concussion. Uh, he he can be a liability in pass coverage, so I would I would want an, a three down linebacker in the middle of that defense. So I would probably draft a linebacker, maybe not in the first or second round, but maybe third third round if you have that third round pick still. Uh, the other position I would get an interior defensive lineman. I think that's mm-hmm. important, not just any interior defensive lineman, but one that can get after the quarterback. Because if your if your defensive ends, if your edge guys are containing your interior guys need to generate some pressure. And the Raiders don't have enough of that. They Cleveland Farrell, I'll say it again, Cleveland Farrell had his best game of the season against the Houston Texans. But, you know, if he's out of the door because he's in his contract year, you're going to need to replenish that position. You can. And, and, and I don't know, I haven't looked at because I'm still so focused on the season, but uh, what the, the, the free agent class might look like, what the trade market in the offseason may look like, depending on what happens with some teams. Any names out there, potential free agents that you know of that could be targets there? Or are you of mind like I am that I think the Raiders need to, uh, because of all the other needs they have, no matter what happens this season, they need to get young talent, man. They, they, they can't keep going. You, you can pepper in the free agent when you need them, but you really start, you got to start developing the young talent on this roster. Especially with the money they spent on, on players, you know, holdovers, homegrown talent, Crosby, we'll see what happens with Carr, Darren Waller, you know, paying guys. I think it's best that they, they start to build through the draft because let's be honest, they, they started out this year because of the Devontae Adams trade. They started out in the third round picking Dylan Parham. They didn't have a first or second round pick. I'm interested to see how this regime drafts because mm. let's be real. There were some hits in the previous regime, but the Gruden Mayock tandem missed at the top of the draft. I want to see what Ziegler and McDaniels do with some first and second round picks. Yeah, and, and and sometimes those first and second round picks, I mean, people want to go to the New England ex- experience and, well, Belichick pay, trades down, he does all this stuff. That does not mean Josh McDaniels is going to do that because this team has different needs and, and specifically looking for things that the Patriots weren't looking for at the times they're winning Super Bowls. So we'll see what happens. Uh, but Roger in Mesquite, thank you for that question. It's a very, very good one, uh, and we thank you for listening. All right, we move on now to the next question. Uh, this one comes from John. He didn't tell us where, 
So John, got to get us, send me a note so I know where you're at so we can send you stuff. Um, and here it is. Are you guys surprised how well the offensive line has played the past two weeks? I know they didn't look great in the first half Sunday, but really came back and played great in the second half. Thank you guys. And tell Mo he needs to watch Smoking the Bandit. <laughs> <laughs> I'll put that on my watch list after the season's over when oh, I have a little yeah. more free time. Uh, shout out to John, wherever you are from. Yes. But um, <laughs> offensive Ooh, line. So the offensive, offensive line, line. You Mo, you talk about Munford. You talk about obviously Parham and, and um, um, oh, I just blanked. See, dude, age will do that for you. They are uh, Mumford. They are Mumford. Lenar, these these young th- these young players. Yeah, Cole Miller on the on the left side, along with Parham on the left side, doing really well. I, they seem to be jiving really good together. Andre James in the center, uh, and then on the right side, th- it just seems like even though they're still cycling people through, for whatever reason, it seems to start to work better. Why do you think that is? I still think the eight thing player is just a crazy wacky idea. But suddenly it seems to be locking in a little more. Yeah, of course, I would like more cohesive chemistry and, and more uh, hot consistency. But to answer the question from the emailer, yeah, I'm actually presently surprised how the offensive line is playing. As I said in the previous show, I don't want to say overachieving because a coach's staff job is to coach players up. Guys that you don't think are going to be that good. And by the end of the year, as time goes on, they're pretty solid. So, you know, the coach staff is doing their job. They're right now. They're a pretty damn good run blocking team. <laughs> uh, I know they let go of some pressures here and there, a sack here and there. But that's going to happen. We have young players like Parham in the lineup, like Dave Mumford in the lineup. It's going to happen. But for the most part, they have performed pretty well. And I will say the offensive line isn't the reason for their early struggles. It's just been inefficiency yeah. in a red zone and penalties in bad spots. Now I think having more continuity, having more steadiness with your lineup, can kind of cancel out some of the penalties that you saw with Mumford and Luminar early in the season. Now, Luminar is a veteran, so excuses are less for him. But as I said in the previous show, too, you, so I don't know if it was because of injury or not, but Mumford played most of that game. And I think they're pivoting toward him being that guy. And as he gets more reps, gets more experience, I, I think he'll play even better. And you'll see an even better offensive line toward the end of the year. Oh, I kind of like that. And, yeah, it, 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 we, we were so concerned about it. We've talked so much about it that mm-hmm. the fact that it could be less of a, a talking point is fantastic for this team. And and you like what's going on there, especially with the young talent, because with Munford and Parham there, those are McDaniel Ziegler guys. So that gives mm-hmm. us some insight. If they're able to select that well in those rounds, as you mentioned earlier, not having uh, a one or a two this past year, what can they do when they do have that draft capital? Uh, if they get not only what they do have and what they could get in other deals or, or whatnot. So, so huge for that team. Good question. We appreciate it, John. Send us your location so we know, or I'll have Buford T. Justice come after you. All right. Um, we're going to take one more break uh, and come back to close out the mailbag show with a couple uh, questions from you and a couple lightning round questions as well. And I promise for you grumpy pants out there, it's not to do with fantasy football. Fantasy football. Even though I'm the only undefeated team left in the league. Uh, all right, we're going to take that break. When we come back, uh, we'll get back to those questions here on Silver and Black today. On this Wednesday, Mailbag Edition, Mo and Scott, we will be right back. Welcome back as we get set to close out this great 
Wednesday mailbag show. We love talking to you guys. Thank you so much for the questions. Keep them coming. Mail at silverandblacktoday.com. Mail at silverandblacktoday.com. Make sure you follow us on Twitter, SNB Today. Mo is at M-O-E-M-O-T-O-N. Mo Moten. I am at LV Gully on Twitter. Let's have a party on there. Let's talk and have some fun. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcast as well. Thank you for being with us. Okay, Mo, we've had questions about Josh Jacobs, about the defense, about the safeties, about Trayvon Morig. Um, now we get into a guy that you really called out last week. And I, in watching the game again on Monday, yesterday, or excuse me, on Tuesday, yesterday, um, and Monday, um, seeing it, just stuck out and just the guy is really proving himself doing a good job uh, and he's going to get a bad rap because of where he was drafted, but the improvement of Clee Farrell. And here's the question from Luis in El Centro, California. He said, what is up with Clee Farrell? I try and try to just dismiss this guy, but he's doing really great up front. People need to realize the guy is working hard to become a solid player. He can't control where he was drafted. Do you see the Raiders perhaps bringing him back the way he's playing? Again, that's Luis and El Central. Clee Farrell, uh, Mo. I mean, this guy is is coming out aggressive. He's creating and disrupting up front, doing all sorts of things, showing his athleticism along with that skill set. Uh, yes. Forget about that he was drafted number four overall and look at what he's been able to do. What are you seeing from Clee Farrell? And uh, to ask, answer Luis's questions, do you think he could remain a Raider after this season? Well, I'll answer that question first. And I would say yes, because think about it. His value is not going to be that high coming off the market. Now, he is playing well in a limited role, but let's be honest, he's not going to make another $10 million, which is which he's due for this year. So he's going to be affordable if the Raiders want him back. I think there's a possibility that if he continues on a trajectory he is right now, that he is back because, as I said, the Raiders are going to need some help on the interior. Cleveland Farrell is not an old player. Uh, right. still develop I think he's still developing. I know he's been in the league since 2019, but he's still a developing player because his snap count has dropped since his rookie year, so he still has more room for growth. Now, he may have a lower ceiling, but you can use him on the inside between Chandler Jones and Max Crosby, and thus far over the past few weeks, it's worked out in his favor because, as Luis points out, he has played very well. Now, I will say a lot of people wrote him off in the offseason because he missed a lot of time. I believe he had an undisclosed injury. But I, I was on the show, and I said, you know, give him some time because because he could play multiple positions. He has value in this defense. So I will shout out Cleveland Farrell again, as I shouted shout him out in the previous show. He is playing very well, had his best game of the season against the, Titan, against the Texans, and I think he continues to see – and increase snap count going forward. Well, and and we know we see Chandler Jones coming on stronger. He had his first sack. It was a half sack, of half course, sack. against Houston in the win. We see Max Crosby, who might have been a little rusty. He just had a daughter. You kind of understand that. Uh, but Max Crosby is who he is. He's one of the best in the league. Uh, to have Cleve Farrell come along, it to me, Mo. This will be an exaggeration, so apologize in advance. But he's almost the most important guy on that defense right now because if they can get him to continue that ascension and see his his productivity and his play improve, that's going to make a significant difference on this defense. Just imagine if Cleve Farrell can get a handful of sacks on the inside between the edge rushers. That that would be a, as you said, that would be a huge boost for the Raiders' uh, defensive line because they don't right now they don't have a guy on in the interior who's going to get right. you that. So if he can fill that void and do it. Good for him, and he's gonna he's gonna make some money in the offseason. Again, he won't make ten million, 
but he'll make a decent salary. And I think it's possible the Reds say, look, we don't have a guy right now that's long, that's a long-term, you know, solution on the inside. Blau Nichols, I believe, signed a two-year deal. If we, if, you know, if you bring Cleve Farrell back and then draft the guy and have those two, you know, mix and match with Bilal Nichols, it's pretty solid. And we'll see how it works out. But I'm just, I'm happy for Cleve Farrell because as you said, he, you know, he's been targeted a lot because he's the, he was the fourth overall pick. As the email has said, has no control over that. That's on Mayock and Gruden for drafting him that high. But it's good to see him start to turn it on. And I hope he continues to do well. Yeah. And, and, <sighs> We talk about it with some other guys sometimes, but but Cleve Farrell's a good dude too. Like he's a good citizen, yeah. does a lot in the community there in Las Vegas and, and back home as well. He's got a great story too, obviously the background going uh, with his family, his situation. So so it's it's nice to see guys like that do well. Luis, thanks, man. We appreciate your question. Great one, actually. All right. Next question. Our last one of the day before we get to our lightning round is from Aaron in Denton, Texas. Yeah, Denton, Texas. It says, this isn't for you. It says, uh, this is for Mo. Uh-oh. You ready, Mo? Uh-oh. <laughs> no, it's not that. I think bad. so. Nothing to do with sushi, dates, or pizza, or anything like that. Okay. It says, Mo, you really were excited about Anthony Averett coming back this week, but he really didn't do too great. Uh, do you think it's because of the rust with the injury, or is he not what you expected? With Hobbs still out, and the rest of the cornerbacks not doing as well as they need to, we need him to step up. Thanks, bro. Again, that's Aaron in Denton, Texas. Anthony Averett, is it just the coming back from the injury, Mo? Is that what we're thinking? That's what I'm thinking. I mean, you anytime you miss a month from work, it's your first day back. I know they have practices and, and that, things of that nature, but your first game back in live action, I, I'm not hitting – I said this on a previous show. I'm not hitting the panic button yet in his first game. It's just way too early for that, number yeah. one. And, and number two, it, there was one play I, I said where he was trailing Brandon Cooks, and Brandon Cooks had a big play. Brandon Cooks is a lightning fast uh, wide receiver. Brandon Cooks made a good play. Um, give credit to him. But, I, again, I'm just not worried about Anthony Averett yet in one game. It's not like they have another option behind him anyway. So, he, as, as the emailer pointed out, he has to play well if the Raiders are going to compete and get back in the playoff picture. But... With him, there was one. There was one. I think a miscommunication with him and, and Amik Robinson that concerned me a bit. Is I believe they didn't hand off a wide receiver when they should have, and that wide receiver was able to get in the end zone. I believe it was Chris Moore of the Texans. Moore got yeah. those two. They, they they banged into each other and, and let the wide receiver wide open. So it's not like he was gashed for 110 yards. Uh, I think it's just as the email said, it's just rust. I think he'll be fine. Yeah, I, I I think too. I mean, I, I made some comments publicly that he didn't play well and and got got some blowback. But at the same time, I'm not writing him off like he's a bust. I, I think this guy has played the top uh, and done well. He did well in Baltimore, and I think that uh, he'll he'll do just fine. It's just a matter of of getting back into game shape, if you will, getting the feel back. It's it doesn't matter where you come. I mean, heck, I missed days sick at work and I got to go back and it takes me a couple days to get reacclimated. So I can only imagine being a professional football player. So Aaron in Denton, Texas, thank you for that one. Uh, all right, Mo, before we get to the lightning round, let's pick our winner on these questions because we had so many today, some great ones. We had John's question about the divine Diablo and Martinez and, and Perryman. We had the Josh Jacobs question about uh, paying the man. We also had <laughs> Craig asking about safety play and if it's going to be a focus along with Roger and Mesquite about uh, the draft next year. John had the question around um, the offensive line, and then Luis with the Clee Farrell question, and we finished out with the Anthony Averett question from Aaron. What are you thinking? 
I'm torn between Cleve Farrell and the Josh Jacobs question. The Josh Jacobs question because news. Uh, just a quick uh, hint. My next column on Sportsnet is going to be about Josh Jacobs and his future with the Raiders. So I'm going to be writing on that topic. So I really like mm. that question because it kind of plays into what I'm going to write about. And of course, Cleveland Farrell, because I think he deserves a little more love after a lot of people have come down on him after underperforming as a number four overall pick in the 2018 draft. I do. Um, I know Josh Jacobs, too, was nominated in the finals for the, the, the FedEx Ground Game of the Week award as well. So I'm going to go with Dennis and Petaluma. I'm going to go with you on that one. Uh, on the Josh Jacobs question. So, Dennis, we're going to send you a T-shirt. I have your address, so you're good. We'll send the stickers out. Uh, we have finally have everything in, so we will send those out as well. So thank you for that one. Good job, man. Good, good questions. Just unbelievable questions, questions we get. We're, we're really uh, uh, blessed here to have this. All right, Bo, you ready for a lightning round? A couple quick questions here for you. Um, these will be all football-related this week. Now, here's the caveat. You could not pick the Raiders in this one. What is the best, in your view... What is the best non-Raiders NFL jersey and helmet in the NFL? Ooh, best. Okay. I would say the Bengals' new uniforms, the white. Oh, the white ones? Uniform. Oh, those okay. are, I love those. When they, when they first came, I believe they played in those a few weeks ago in a home game. They, they viewed those. The white and the black helmet, uh, it, it is awesome jersey. Awesome. <laughs> So you like the the white Bengals uh, uniforms? Now, I my selection for this one is also. It's amazing how I, I thought about this as I wrote the question earlier today, um, and all the jerseys I liked came back to the AFC, right? <clears throat> and and my selection is not an AFC West team. For those of you who who are Chargers. thinking, oh, don't pick the Chargers or the Chiefs. <laughs> Uh, I wouldn't do that because I value I value our ratings. Uh, but nonetheless, no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. My favorite jersey. Now I, I'm cheating a little bit on this one, like I did with the ballparks last week, because it's gone now. Although it was there, and I don't understand. I never will understand why they changed it. Which was when the Jets went back to their retro jerseys, the Joe Namaths, right as I call them, and they just changed them back. Those uniforms with the white helmets, with the old logo and the stripes on the sleeve, I love those. Like, I love the old AFL, AFC uniforms. Uh, you go back to even the Colts, the, the, um, the, the Chargers, the Jets, like the original AFL, except for the Broncos with the stupid weird horse they had on theirs. Yeah. That was ridiculous. Um, yeah. But I love those jerseys. And I just, what do you know, you live in New York, you watch the Jets, you have family who are Jets fans. Why mm -hmm. did they change? I have no idea. I, I just, a lot of fans have been clamoring for those. What I'm glad they got rid of or moved past with this, was the stupid blue and gold jerseys that, when they were the Titans, I believe, or something yeah, like that. The, the New York I, Titans, I, yeah. I did not like when they no. went back to those. I'm glad they moved past that. The, I, I know I'm cheating here, but the other jersey I really like since we're talking about classic yeah. throwbacks, but the Giants. Uh, jersey that they that they wore the blue helmet with the Giants with the underline under it. It just reminds me of Lawrence Taylor. Lawrence Taylor, and, and it, it just gives me it just gives me fond memories too. Because being in New York, I watched a lot of Giants games too. That would be my number two behind the Bengals. Absolutely, and 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 mine. The other one I love too. Throw now. I think the throwbacks that the Bears and Packers do, where it's like from 1910, like that with the stripes. It's like, come on. Most yeah. God bless them. Most of those people are even gone. They, and so nobody remembers it. And they're just, they're just not relatable, right? It's not baseball mm -hmm. where sometimes things can look kind of classic. 
with football, I think it should be kind of modern era, so 50s forward, all right? Because the, the Lions, yeah. I think, have some throwbacks in the 50s, which are really cool with just the silver helmet. They're very plain, almost like Penn State, but silver and blue. Um, but to me, one of the best uniforms in the history of sports, you ready for this, was a football uniform, and that was the old Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the creamsicles. Yes, yes, I forgot all about those. Why they – why – do you know how many they would sell now? With the way the business has become, the NFL has become as a business, if they went back to those, explosion, explosion, right? Especially they should have done it to coincide with Brady coming there. It would have been huge. Right. Uh, the right. Doug Williams jerseys, right? That's what I always think mm -hmm. of. Leroy Selman, those guys. Um, and I don't, I don't understand why they did it. And, of course, I, I said no Raiders uniform because I think the Raiders uniform is, is a classic. It has not changed. And it's phenomenal. I wish they would go back to the silver shield on the helmet, which is really cool. And then they mm -hmm. do wear once a year the silver numbers on the white jersey, which I love as well. I think that's a classic look. But I wanted to take it outside the Raiders because we, yeah. we know the Raiders jersey is the best ever. But we had to pick another choice. So that's our choices. Mm -hmm. All right. Now, here's a weirder one. You ready for this? Since we do talk about food on this show, if the Raiders were a food, what food would they be? Wow. <laughs> uh because it's hard the franchise because not this year like the franchise overall as far as like the personnel of the franchise is concerned if they, yeah like it has to be it has to be a food that's you know like it has a distinct taste robust. because yeah it has to you know it has to have some well that's a tough question <laughs> man i well, an answer to that one is between you and exiting the show and finishing the show for today. So, so I'll, st how about I start and then maybe you get it. So I think of, I think of the autumn wind and the song and the pillaging and the pirate, the whole motif. And I think two foods come into my mind when I think of that. I think of like a big, massive turkey leg, you know, just tearing at it or uh -huh. like a tomahawk steak. Big old, st I mean, it's got to be hearty. It's got to be yeah, yeah, mean. It's got to be thick. It's got to be not for the faint of heart. So that those are the turkey leg, the big old turkey leg, which if you ever go to Disney World or Disneyland, you can get them there. Uh, but there or the big tomahawk chop steak. A medium rare steak, I was going to say. Medium I, rare. Oh, from, yeah. I, I, I would go away from turkey, but I would say cause something that's chewy, got some, you know. Some got blood. Some, substance to it you know what i mean it's yeah. gotta have some real substance to it so i'll, I'll go with a medium rare steak on that one there you go i love it see we just ask it, these goofy questions it can't be anything with vegetables or like a side <laughs> dish the raiders are no. not a side dish it's your main course yeah it can't be sushi or quiche because we all know that that's no. the 49ers um so so you have to you have to go away from that uh, it has to be hearty. Yeah. So, so, those yeah. Are the, but I love it anyway. So that's good. So there you go. That's our lightning round here to end the mailbag show. Mo, another one flies by, man. I know we're going to be back tomorrow with our Thursday edition. We're going to start to look at the new Orleans saints, the saints. They're in a transition period. New coach don't really have the quarterback situation. Andy Dalton's been doing it. Jameis Winston's there been hurt. There's been all things kind of good. Kamara's been hurt. Um, good time for the Raiders to go to New Orleans, perhaps, uh, with the injuries down there, but also another team that I think that they can compete and should beat. It's tough to win on the road, uh, but a good game we're going to talk about on Thursday. Another thing, Derek Carr has played very well against the Saints. 
I mean, yes. and even in New Orleans, if you remember the Monday Night Football game against the Saints, Derek Carr played well. If you remember 2016, the season opener that set the tone for the year, Derek Carr and Crabtree, Mari Cooper and those guys. Derek Carr has a good track record against the Saints. I think he's going to play pretty well with or without Darren Willard on the field. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, good stuff. So we're going to talk about that Thursday. Make sure you subscribe to the show if you don't already do it so you get uh, it back on Thursday as well. So we're excited about that. So with Mo. Another mailbag show in the bag, if you will. Always a good time. Good questions. We gave out another T-shirt. Uh, and it just gets better every week, I think. Especially after a win. Raiders fans yeah. out there, don't be curmudgeons. Enjoy the victory, no matter who it's against. <laughs> Enjoy the dub. <laughs> All right, man. I'll see you tomorrow. There you go, Mo Moten. I am Scott Branson. And before I leave you today, uh, I wanted to just uh, give a shout-out to uh, – a friend of mine I lost uh, this past week. It's been a tough couple of years for me losing friends and losing my dad, uh, a big mentor and friend of mine for over 30 year, years, Coach Jim Bola, who was the uh, all-time winningest women's basketball coach at UNLV. I worked for in my time there at UNLV when I worked in athletics. Uh, passed away after a long battle of cancer at 70 years old. He was a star in his own right at the University of Pittsburgh in basketball, making it to the Elite Eight in the early 70s. Uh, and I'm going to miss him. Uh, he's been a fixture of my life, a fixture in my family's life uh, for, for my entire life. And I learned a lot from him. And I just want to send out my best, my condolences, my love to his daughter, Sasha, and his wife, Dallas. And uh, tell Coach, I'm going to miss you. You're, you were a tough son of a bitch. And uh, I will always remember that. And I thank you for everything. So for Mo Moten, I'm Scott Branson. We'll talk to you guys tomorrow on the Thursday edition of Silver and Black Today. Take care, everybody.